Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. How many are ready for the Word of God this morning? I am ready. Uh, If you can, just grab your Bibles or your iPad, iPhone, your device, whatever you're going to be using this morning. Um, If you don't have one with you, it'll be up on the screen. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 6, and I'll let you know what verse in just a moment. Joshua chapter 6, it's going to be verse 1 through 2. You know, when I think about the Word of God, um, I normally don't do this. I've been using the Old Testament a whole lot to minister the Word of God. For whatever reason, I'm really a New Testament guy, uh, not necessarily the Old Testament. And I've been really focusing on um, studying on the children of Israel. Okay, God put a lot of emphasis on the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, it's the only um, culture in the Bible that God said, I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. God has a special uh, place in his heart for the children of Israel, uh, which is kind of weird because they've been the most opposed culture in the entire world. Even now, people are fighting for their country. And I, although I have my trepidation with uh, Trump and I don't want to get into politics, there's a lot of pros and cons with, I think, with, I think, every president that has come into office. But one thing I can be thankful for is that he supports Israel. Can somebody give a hand clap for that? So for 400 years, the children of Israel remained in bondage under the gavel of Pharaoh. And I almost entitled this message, why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? Because God called these people blessed, said that he had blessed them, yet they had been in bondage more than any other culture of that time. 400 years, God remained silent. 400 years, they built bricks for Pharaoh. 400 years, they were abused and used to build the Egyptian empire. I couldn't really wrap my head around that. And then one day, God speaks to Moses, Moses being... Uh, under the leadership of Pharaoh. He was the prince of Egypt, if you will. He kills one of his fellow uh, soldiers who was abusing an Israelite, and he goes on the run. I call him the backslidden preacher of the Old Testament. Into the wilderness he goes. For 40 years, he disappears. Then God speaks to him in a burning bush and calls Moses to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. He stands in Pharaoh's court, and he says, let my people go. Long story short, God sends, ten, God sends 10 plagues over the city of Egypt, destroys their livestock, every firstborn son, wreaks havoc on the entire region, and finally Pharaoh decides to let God's people go. So they leave with Moses, God parts the Red Sea, enter into the wilderness for 40 years. This was a trek that should have only taken them 11 days, history tells us. And they ended up walking around for 40 years. I don't know about you. I don't know what great leader would leave their, lead their people in circles for 40 years. But that doesn't sound like very great leadership to me. Something that should have taken 11 days. But as I begin to think about this story and how much God had blessed the children of Israel, I begin to think about the difficult times that they faced at the same time. Have you ever had God call you blessed in a certain area of your life where you felt blessed in one area of your life and almost felt cursed in another area of your life? Amen to that. 
So in Joshua chapter one, we're in verse six, but in verse one, Moses dies and he gives his mantle or blesses Joshua, lays his hands on him and gives him the assignment to carry on the legacy. They're about to enter into the promised land, but before they get there, they come to the river Jordan. How many know what the river Jordan is? But in order to get to the promised land, they have to cross over the Jordan. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the river Jordan, but the river Jordan is where people would uh, put dead bodies and dump trash. And so they had to cross over something that was not only difficult to cross, but was dirty to cross over. And there are many things in your life that God will cause you to go through that are difficult in order to get you to the other side of your destiny and your purpose that he's called you to. And so they cross over. Now, I can't imagine what's going through their mind because they're immediately met with opposition. You would think after 40 years of going through this difficult season, wandering around in the wilderness, that things would just all of a sudden get easy on them just because God, they finally end up where God called them, which was in Jericho. And so they're met with this big fortified wall called the walls of Jericho. Say the walls of Jericho. And God gives him an assignment. Now, after all that walking around, you would think they would be able to catch a break. Have you ever left one season of difficulty and met the next season by another extreme difficulty? And you think, God, I just came out of this thing, and now I'm met with this other opposition that is, I don't have the energy, Lord, for this. It's, it's time for my breakthrough. I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost old enough. I've, I've, I've paid my dues. I've been at this job long enough. I've been in this marriage long enough where I'm at a place where I should see some change by now. If anything was going to change, it should have changed by now. Amen? Y'all being quiet up in here. And so in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. That stood out to me. It was shut up because of the children of Israel. There are certain opposition that you will get in your life because of who you are. These were God's people, and they were supposedly blessed by him, but yet this place was shut up because of them. A lot of people think that they're facing opposition in their lives because God is not with them. Many times you're facing what you're facing not because God is not with you. It's because God is with you. Sometimes we face things because the enemy doesn't want us to get into our promised land. And so he'll throw every dart, every difficult circumstance that he possibly can in order to frustrate you and veer you away from God's promises in your life. Because he knows that if he can't defeat you externally, he'll defeat you internally. He knows if he can get you frustrated enough and get you defeated in your heart, you'll give up on God's promise. And so he says, this place was shut up because of the children of Israel None went out and none came in. And the Lord, verse two, says, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I want everybody to say see, one, two, three. See, I have given you Jericho, its king and its mighty men of valor. See, I've given you, what, wait a minute. I just, I just came to the Jericho wall. It's fortified. We can't get in. And you're saying, God, to me, see, I've given you the city. It, now, I don't know if you guys know how to add or subtract in the, in, in the scriptures, but to, to me, they hadn't been given the city yet. And yet God is saying, see, I've given it to you. What God was really saying is, see from my perspective, because God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows at the end, at the very beginning. So he's saying, I want you to see this from my perspective, I've already given you the city. I, you just need the faith to walk out what I've already done. Or you need the faith to walk through 
because I have victory. My intention for you is victory, yet you can't see it. You have to go through something first. Isn't it funny how God promises you something big, but he fails and leaves out the details of the difficulties that you're going to meet on your way to your purpose or your promised land? And this is one of the reasons why I'm entitling this message, you're too close to quit now. You're too close. They were so close to their purpose and their destiny. 40 years, and then God gives them an assignment directly after coming out of the wilderness for 40 years. I know there's somebody in this room this morning that is on the brink of breakthrough, and yet the enemy is whispering you in your ear this morning, give up. It's not gonna happen. Let it go. If things were gonna change, they would have changed by now. But there's somebody in here at the same time saying in their spirit, I've waited too long. I fasted too much. I've prayed too long for this. I've been married too long. I've got too much time invested in this thing. I've got too much money invested in this thing to give up now. Too much time invested in this company. There's too many heartaches that I've been through. Too many tears that I've cried to give up now. You're too close to quit now. Everybody say that with me. You're too close to quit now. You know, I used to be really impressed with people who started things, started a new business, get into a new relationship. They start all these things. How many know a lot of people who just start things but aren't very good at finish, finishing things? Do not look at your husband or your wife right now. Bad time. I used to be really impressed with people who've started things, but the older I'm getting, and I'm not very old, but the older I am getting, the more impressed I am with people who finish things. It's easy to start something. It's kind of easy to start a business. I've been in business for about 15 years, not church stuff, business stuff, still am. It's easy. I really didn't see results at least for the first decade. So when I see someone working really hard and not seeing results, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year, eighth year, I know in my mind that they're just going through a process. I know there's a promised land because there's always a promised land waiting for those who won't give up, those who have a dogged determination, those who will not take no for an answer, those who have the attitude come hell or high water. I'm going to see this thing through because God promised it. He's going to do it. I just need to have the faith to believe that he's going to do it if I can withstand that delay before it comes to pass. You know, there's people that are in this room, I think good-hearted people, well-meaning people, Jesus followers who are in a season of their lives where they have the potential to give up on what they're facing right now, knowing that God's gonna do something, having the promise, yet having, standing in front of a fortified wall, a wall of Jericho. Somebody say, wall of Jericho. I want you to, I want you to go to um, Joshua 6.3. It's just the next verse down. I want you to take a look at it. You know, one reason as you go there, one reason why I love worship on a Sunday morning, I love worship, is because it has the ability, the ability to bring you up. Because many of us are facing that Jericho wall, amen? But worship has a way, if you worship with, to, to God, right? In spirit and truth, it elevates you so that you can peer over the wall and catch a glimpse of what God is gonna do. And then the problem is, is we go back home and we stop worshiping. But if you can remain at a place of worship, 
You can stay encouraged until God decides to break down the wall because you can see what he's gonna do. I'm not there yet. I'm not inside Jericho. I'm not inside my promised land. But when you worship in spirit and truth, it has a way to lift you up so that you can see from God's perspective. Amen? Because down here in the natural, we can't see what God is doing. This is why it's so critical to walk in the spirit. This is why those who walk according to the flesh can't please God because they see with these. But God always says, see, I've given this to you already. I've given this. I'm going to do this. That's what faith sees. But flesh, when we get back, when we, when we snap out of it and we're not walking in the spirit and we're not connected to God, we're not reading his word. And faith comes by what? Hearing and by hearing what? The word of God. So when we read the word, our faith gets inspired so that we can see the way that God sees so that we can endure in the seasons of delay and we can endure when God's not doing anything. And he, he doesn't seem to be moving on our behalf. This is what worship is all about. And this is why worship is so key, not just on a Sunday morning, because it will elevate you to a place of position where you can see the promise, even though you don't have it. And it can keep you encouraged while you're in the place of delay, while you're in the place of the dash. God told me it's not coming to pass. It's going to come to pass. So while you're in the dash, learn to worship when you're in the middle of the dash, the time of waiting, seed, time, and harvest. Amen. I'm preaching to myself this morning. So Joshua uh, chapter six, verse three says this. You shall march. Everybody say, you shall march. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. All you men of war. Hmm. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. Point number two, faith will work if you work it. Now, if you're not married, I don't want you to say this, but if you have a spouse and you're here, you can look at your spouse and say, work it. <laughs> work your faith. If you're single in this room, I want you to say this, work your faith. <laughs> faith will work if you work it. Now, here's the thing. God told men of war, the Bible says that these guys were men of war. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine a man of war who's militant-like and a fighter to go home and tell his wife what he just did that day. A man of war goes home. His wife is so happy. They know that God has given them this city. And she says to her husband, what happened today? Tell me. I know you overtook the city. And he has to say something like this. Well, we... Um, we just kind of, you know, walked around the city today. <laughs> Sat down and we had a sandwich and, you know, I came home. You know, I, I, I like to go to the gym um, sometimes. And uh, my, my wife makes fun of me a lot because y'all don't judge me. <laughs> Oval's a shape. I have a problem. I, li I like flexing my muscles to my wife. What man doesn't like to flex his muscles to his wife? So I flex my bicep to her, and she says, Honey, it looks the same as when I met you. <laughs> she told me that. Can you believe that? And each day I'm flexing, and she says, uh, she, You know, I try to show her pictures to show her the growth. I just think she doesn't have the eyes of faith. I don't know. I don't know. But faith will work if you work it. See, 
it's just like me going to the job and saying to the guys, because I don't like, I like to lift weights, but I don't like to exercise. Can the men say amen? I mean, what fun would it be if I went to the guys at work and said, you know, I did one hour on the Stairmaster. <laughs> on a construction job, you're gonna tell the guys that, you know, I did, you know, I did 30 minutes on the elliptical and I was on level 10. <laughs> but faith will work if you work it. And sometimes faith, there's little progression sometimes in faith, but it doesn't necessarily give you indication that something's happening when something is happening. But these guys were walking with eyes of faith. Say faith. It's a whole lot easier for me to go to the job, which I do. I do brag sometimes. Pray for me. God's still working on areas of my life. It'd be fun to tell them I can bench 315. But it wouldn't be very fun to tell them I was, you know, on that Stairmaster, on that elliptical, achieving, you know, an hour on there. And, you know, I burned 500, 600 calories. But God, th th these guys were told by God to walk around a city. Doesn't make any sense, right? That's because God, listen to this, I want you to hear this. God gives us victory through faith, not physical determination. If you decide to walk according to the flesh over here and you try to manipulate your circumstance to work for you, you walk outside of the realm of God's blessing and the end will not look so promising. But if you decide to operate by faith and listen, obedience is up to us. The results are up to God. And sometimes he'll tell you to do foolish things because he knows that if he does if he blesses you with the promise and you did it in your own strength, you're going to exclude him from getting the glory. Why do you think God has, especially believers struggle in this? And I've often wondered, I've often wondered why I've had certain struggles in certain mountains that I've had to overcome in my life. But I give God glory for it because even, even, even this church, I certainly couldn't have done this by myself. Even at this small level, with all these other different things we have going on in our lives, business, got this going on, new baby, we haven't slept in seven months. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going off of faith even now, like I have glue sitting on top of my eyelids. Like, no, I'm kidding. Because you, would give, you wouldn't give God the credit. Amen? I wouldn't give God the credit. And, and these guys were asked to do something supernatural, it looked foolish, but the Bible says that God takes the weak things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things. So sometimes he'll ask you to do something foolish because he knows if you do that foolish thing and you have a God kind of outcome, he knows that you'll give him the credit for it. And so we need to look at things with the eyes of faith and not trust in our physical determinations. We need to trust that the Lord can do it in us and through us if we'll simply obey. Say obey. Joshua 6.4. Joshua 6, chapter 4, and it says this. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets. Seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. Point number three. Refuse to give up even when you do not see results. Refuse to give up even when you don't see the results. It's working even 
when it doesn't seem to be working. Now, I would have been encouraged if I was the children of Israel walking around this fortified wall, which, by the way, was about a mile around in diameter. I would have got encouragement, Mo, if every time I walked around that city wall, one level of the stones would drop. One lap, because they had to walk seven times. First lap, one level. Second lap, second level. Third lap. But there was no, there was no indication that God was working. But they were obeying God. Are you doing something in your life that you know is, you've, you've gone off of the voice of the Lord. You know it's in your heart. It's in your spirit. God puts something in your heart and you're practicing and you th- you're thinking that you're obedient and you probably are, but you're not seeing the results. Amen? So they're walking around this wall, not seeing any results. In, in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, it says this, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season, we will reap if we faint not. Now it's, it, the, the promise is in that last part, if we faint not. It's not whether or not God's not gonna do it, it's whether, do you have the goal in you? Do you have the, the determination in you to hold on until God breaks through? That's the difficulty. Is holding on when it gets really, really hard because what you do doesn't really count until you can keep doing it when it's really hard and you're not seeing results. Amen? It's working even when you don't see the results. And I said this before to you, the obedience is up to you, but the results are up to God. He only calls you to trust he doesn't call, he's not calling you to lay out this perfect plan. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. He only calls us to simply trust and obey. I love this saying, obey God, leave all the consequences to him. I've come to a place in my life where if God tells me to run towards the wall, I've done enough dumb things and enough wise things to realize this, that you cannot go wrong trusting in God. If he tells me to run towards a brick wall, and put my head down and start running, I know from experience, put my head down and start running because he has a good enough track record with me to know that by the time I get to that wall, there'll be a hole cut out for me. And for you, if you can simply trust and obey and know that God has the best intention for you, he has the best intentions for his children and won't lead them into a wrong direction even though it seems wrong sometimes, at times. You know, the Bible says that whatever is not of faith, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever, wherever there's not challenges, wherever there is challenges in your life is an opportunity to trust in, in God and grow in your relationship with him. Whatever it is that you're facing, I want you to get that image in your mind right now. I want you to think about what it's doing to you internally, what it's doing to your heart, how much it's weighing on your heart today, how frustrating it is. And I want you to see God putting his finger on that and saying, I'm using this to see if you really trust me. I wanna see if you're gonna hold on, if you're gonna believe the fact that I said I would do it, I'll do it. Can you trust, can you hold on when the going gets rough, when I've put you out in the middle of the sea and the sea is, remember the disciples? Oh, this is so good. This just, this is totally out of my notes. Watch this. Remember when Jesus sent the disciples to the other side? 
He sent them to the other side. And the Bible says that he appeared on the water as a ghost. And it's, the Bible says they cried out for fear. They cried out for fear because God had told them to go to the other side. But he told them to go to the other side knowing that that storm would come. There are things in our lives that God calls us to do knowing that we're going we're gonna to get caught right in the middle of the storm. And then the Bible says he comes up to them and it says they cried out for fear because they thought he was a ghost. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know it was Jesus. They thought it was a spirit on the water. But it was Jesus. And I believe there's, there, there, we're in a season in our lives where we're right in the middle of the sea and we got two choices. Either we're going to die in it spiritually, emotionally, relationally, maritally, financially, whatever it is, or we're going to see that this is not a ghost. This is not a ghost. This is the Lord. The Lord brought me here. The Lord put me, he called me into the middle of this storm. And here was the amazing thing is that when Jesus stepped on the boat, the Bible says immediately they were at the destination. Immediately. It was almost like they transported, but they were afraid to invite him on the boat because they thought it was a spirit. They thought it was something else out in the middle of the water, but it was Christ. And if you're in the middle of a storm right now in this season of your life or an area of your life where you're experiencing difficulty, hardship, pain, loss, frustration, it's not a ghost. The Lord called you out. And here's the thing. It was all on their perspective how they seen him. If you will see him as savior, he'll be savior. If you see him as provider, he'll be provider. But he can't be something that you can't see him as. Because God moves by faith. Amen. That's why you can see other people, certain people being blessed in certain areas of their lives and other people not. It's not because God doesn't love them any less. It's how they see him. It's how they perceive him. How do you perceive God this morning? Amen? Okay. Joshua chapter 6, verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before, before the ark of the covenant. Point number four. Don't expect God to give you the victory your way. I need you to say that with me. Don't expect God to give you the victory your way. Who in the world brings a ram's horn to a fight? My uncle was in the military, so he knows. I'm not going to call him out or point him out. But the last thing you want to do when you're going to a fight to a fortified city is to bring a ram's horn. That's because of this. In the natural, it's just a ram horn. But in the spirit, it's a weapon. Never discount how strong and how big and how, what's the word I'm looking for? How effective your worship is. The Lord used their worship to bring down this wall. He didn't use a physical, he didn't use the archers. He didn't use swords. He used a ram's horn. And this is, why I say, this is why I like to say what the scripture says. It, says. it says that God uses the weak things to confound the wise. He takes foolish things from this world to show that he is smarter than even the wisest person. So he used a spiritual tool to defeat the Jericho wall. 
right? To bring the wall down. So God used worship. Say, God used worship to defeat the Jericho people. He used worship. He used a ram's horn. Who uses a ram's horn for crying out loud? If, I, if it were me, I would, have used, I would have used swords, clubs, knives, anything but a ram's horn. But God used something spiritual to defeat the enemy. And this is why you can't get caught up in the natural with people. Fight your battles on your knees. Never through your own physical determination. Never with your mouth. You never have to defend yourself. And when you realize that this is the Lord's battle, you'll win. And if you fight the Lord's battle, the Lord's way, you win every time. The believer cannot lose. No battle. Amen? But our problem is, is we like to take, th take things into our own hands and fight the battle the way that we want to fight it. Amen. Uh, Joshua 6.8. I'm going to read it really quickly. 6.8. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant and the Lord followed them. Now, I love this. The ark of the covenant was where the broken tablets were. It's where the Ten Commandments were written. They were broken. They were inside of the Ark of the Covenant. So it says that it went before them. So, so point number five is invite God's presence. They were smart enough to invite God's presence into this situation. Amen? Say invite God's presence into the situation. Most people try to fight their battles apart from God. If you decide to fight this specific battle apart from the Lord, victory will not be sure. But if whatever it is that you're facing, you have the presence of the Lord on your side and you decide to invite the Lord's presence into your situation. Because at the end of the day, the Lord fights for his people. Amen? And victory is sure if you realize, hey, the battle is the Lord's, it's not mine, but if I invite him in this, I'm sure to have the victory. And what is that for you? What is it? Is it, is it a relationship? What, what is your Jericho wall this morning? Is it a marriage? Is it financial? Is it your calling? Is it some kind of delayed promise? Is it a difficult teen? All the, all the parents of teenagers say amen. Is it a health issue? Is it a job? What is your Jericho wall? Any child of God who has a specific promise that God intends to fulfill will run into a wall that is going to challenge you as a person and will challenge your faith and will challenge to see how bad do you really want it. You know, I've seen people inches away from their calling, inches away from breakthrough, and stopped short. And if I could say that what the most powerful thing of this story was for me, it was the thoughts that went through their head, not on lap one or lap two or even fourth or the fifth one, but on that sixth lap. Is what I'm doing mattering? 
Is this ever going to get any easier for me? Are things ever going to change? And, and I thought to myself, what if they would have stopped on six? What if they would have stopped on lap six? I've seen people inches, inches away and throw in the towel. My encouragement to you this morning is to don't stop. You're almost there. It's like I feel the Lord just wanting to tell someone. This may not be for, I don't know if it's for 10 people. I don't know if it's for one person, but it's for somebody. You're too close to quit. And you're on your last lap. Breakthrough is about to happen. If you just hold on for a few more minutes, if you can muster up enough strength and allow God to, to do the rest, God's about to break through in your situation. I just feel that in my heart. Don't give up. Would you stand with me? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.